0: this is a bonus episode of Historically Thinking, devoted to the backstory of my book, Daniel Morgan, A Revolutionary Life, the biography of the man who deserves to be remembered as the action hero of the American Revolution, but who was much more than that. A homeless boy who didn't know his age when he arrived in Virginia, by the time he died, Daniel Morgan was a decorated brigadier general, a retired congressman, and the owner of tens of thousands of acres of land. His rise to national fame began when he organized a company of riflemen in Winchester, Virginia, and marched them north with amazing speed to Boston in June and July of 1775. Those rifles are why in this conversation I'm talking to Richard Sullivan, master gunsmith at Colonial Williamsburg, the 301-acre open-air museum devoted to interpreting the era of the American Revolution in Williamsburg, Virginia. There, in the gunsmith's shop every day, Richard Sullivan explains to visitors how rifles were constructed in Colonial Virginia and just about everything they want to know about them. In the next hour, you'll hear him do the same for me. Historically Thinking features conversations because I believe that a good conversation is probably the best way of thinking through things. Lectures and monologues presuppose that there is already a truth that has been arrived at and which is now being revealed to the listener. Interviews often consist of the interviewer hurting the interviewee towards a desired outcome. In all these conversations, I try instead to think things through with a fellow historian. In this series of bonus episodes, you'll hear me thinking through things about Daniel Morgan. In a way, I am podcasting the book, or podcasting what went into the book. I hope you'll find these discussions as illuminating as I did. You can buy Daniel Morgan on IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, or Amazon – for autographed copies go to historicallythinking.org click on daniel morgan in the banner and find out about the fine local bookstores in Winchester Virginia Charlottesville Virginia and Spartanburg South Carolina that carry autographed copies So I'm in the gunsmith shop at Colonial Williamsburg with Richard Sullivan. You are the master, master, the master gunsmith, we'll talk about later how that happened, <laughs> but, but right now you've sure, got, for this all. is the, the beauty of podcasting, uh, we can't show you what we're doing, but you've got you brought out a rifle, and this is a Winchester, Virginia, yeah, that, or that, Valley that's, style.
1: That's similar in style to to the cleat, okay. so uh, east of Blue Ridge, Virginia uh similar in style to uh, to a rifle that survived by uh frederick cleat uh who worked in
0: Culpeper county stevensburg Culpeper so county. immediately i pick it up and so we were talking earlier. There's a beautiful balance to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing that when you pick it up, you feel it. Of course, when you look at it, how do I look at a, uh, a long rifle? They all look the same, but you can tell. They, well, that, mm-hmm. but you can tell to an East of the Blue Ridge Virginia rifle from another one. It's, what are some of the what are what are some of the characteristics of any long rifle, and then what mm-hmm. are some of the particular characteristics of this? The American is long
1: barrel, Right. curly maple wood for the stock. In a brass box. So I'm six
0: foot two. This comes up to about right in the middle of my chest.
1: Yeah, well, and all it has to do is get past the crook of your arm so you don't have to hold the rifle while you're loading. It. So I can hold my right, I got it right I go. in the crook of my elbow, kind uh-huh. uh-huh. of. Okay. So can you can use both hands to load. I yes. need two hands to load. It. Why do I need two hands to load? It? Because the patch that's wrapped around the bullet uh-huh. makes a combination of patch and bullet that is bigger than the hole so that you engage the spiral grooves in the barrel. So I can force it. Back to force that that cloth to compress and you need both hands on the loading rod to make that cloth compress.
0: Now, German rifles, uh, Rifleman Sharps, Baker Rifle. Sure. Now, those who read Burner Cornwell or watch the old BBC series, those are shorter barrel. Yeah. How do they get away with that? Well, and... and
1: Ezekiel Baker had to make mallets that went with those rifles to get the bullet started. So
0: those, they, those they never showed that in Sharp. Yeah. So he was actually pounding down uh, the rifle ball. The
1: with- French are loading an oversized bullet when they first adopted it. And traditionally, rifle barrels in Europe, as a as a general characteristic or short, mm-hmm. And they're awkward to load, but they're easier to handle on horseback. Yes. Okay. You know, so the horseback chase and packs of dogs, mm-hmm. the uh, hunting as a privilege of the landowning class, is a gentleman's sport. Mm-hmm. Under Henry the Eighth, you couldn't hunt deer on your own property unless the property valued more than 500 pounds. Right. So you know, it's a, it's but, very restricted to those deer hunting opportunities. Well, for long hunters and market hunters on the frontier. Uh, it's easier to load when it's long. Mm-hmm. It's the the length of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Once the barrel's a couple of feet long, is the least important variable of accuracy. It's easier to load, mm-hmm. and uh, and why modern rifles aren't as long is you load them in the back. So you load them in the reach. Right, right. Um, so two hands to load. The evolution of the patch box. Uh, yeah. What comes to be called the patch box by about 1790 is that uh, push button there opens it. Really? Wow. And that's so you can get into it with one hand. Those European rifles have wood boxes uh-huh. and, and they're not designed uh-huh. to go in and out of because when you open it, you've got a handful of lid. And literally the patch box has patches in it. Yes. Okay. That's why it's so specifically used for grease and linen patches that that becomes the societal name. But it's easier to load mm-hmm. loading an undersized bullet wrapped in linen mm-hmm. than hammering down an oversized bullet. Yes. So the practical advantage. There are long barrel rifles in Europe. Uh, and the, re- the usual reference is stalking rifle, mm-hmm. indicating
0: that you're on the ground mm-hmm. while, you're, while you're hunting. So I think it's Joe Kindig, the great yeah. the collector, yeah. who says that. And man, I'm holding this thing, and I know it. That there are three, at least three different crafts to be a great American gunsmith. A lot more than that. More than that. <laughs> so, you're brassmith, well, you right. I mean? so you're a brass smith. Well, you're a brass founder. Brass founder. You're a wood gun guns, a, gun, a wood carver, right. and then. Use and yeah. Smith, the forged thing. It's, right. it's a fusion of of and, and and the great rifles are a fusion of the best of all those right. crafts. That and that, and there's
1: and that and in spite of the lack of division of labor that produced that, it's one of the first American products recognized for its quality in Europe. Yeah, and, it, and it's George Hanger that said that never in my life have I seen better rifles or men who shot better. George
0: Hanger, just for the old well, note, was a crazy, rackety, basically one of the great 18th century characters. Eccentrics. Eccentrics, <laughs> uh, drunk rake, uh, who got, I think left the guards regiment because he was too much for even them and went to Germany and became a, a rifleman. With, uh, he's a... He's a uh,
1: He's a, he's a coal merchant when he's incurred too much debt for gambling debt. He's, he's a fascinating guy. Yeah, there's yeah. caricatures done in England. I, I've got one hanging over my workbench at home. It says Georgie in the coal hole. <laughs> <laughs> he's got
0: a whole bag of coal, and on he he, coal. Uh, he missed Calpens, so he didn't get captured there or, or run away with his good <laughs> friend Charlton, but he. <laughs> He was sick. He was he was a major in the intelligence
1: British region. And he, he used he, he is captured at, at a, after a battle and used his incarceration to interview American riflemen wanting to know from them how far away can he could hit from. And, and so, they're all certain of splitting his head at two hundred yards. Right. He wanted to know if he could be at four hundred and they'd say yes or come very near by him at the top. <laughs> so come to dropping a man sized target by him at the top of his head. Uh-huh. Right. And now ball's You know, ball out of a rifle is going half as fast twice. Now, what are? I mean, explain what you're at 400 yards. What are you shooting at when you? Well, you're shooting at the top of his head. Yes. A man-sized target. You can make out the shape of a man at 400 yards. There is, of course, no scope. Right. There is. There. There is a foresight and the hindsight. Right.
0: You got a post, a little post there. Yeah. Um, just. Uh, uh, it's a very fine notch. A very fine notch. And very it's, hard, but it's very hard to make out the foresight compared to yeah. a modern
1: site. Yeah, but well, if you aim yeah. at it, something dark, that might help. Yeah, because that means, I got, it's a light material, you. so it shows bright in the woods. Okay. And that, that bright in the woods is low light levels, mm-hmm. canopy of an old growth forest, uh-huh. deer hunting. Okay. You need to, in, in, I don't know. They're probably active in the 18th century all through the day, but modern hunting, they're most active early in the morning, late in the afternoon, right. and the light levels are low. Yeah. You know, so it's usually limited. that might be the only silver on a rifle. Is, is the foresight, that one happens to be found. Um, so what
0: did we got the patch box. Where do they make the locks?
1: They had the ability to, because you couldn't do repair work unless you make a whole parts of the lock. Okay. And then the, the, this rifle I showed you earlier has a locally made gun lock on it. American made uh, from, from what will become Rockbridge County at the time that it was made, it was Augusta. Uh, but local made gun lock is probably a question of availability. Mm, it's not, not available to any need, but that's locally made. Really? Yes. And so that and that's in that John Walker that had twenty nine pounds weight of lock making tools. Yeah. In Rockbridge and and uh, County. Yeah. It, and this rifle was signed Alexander Walker. Huh. So, he may be supplying himself and other family members with locally made locks because he's got forging dies huh. to produce those locks. So, that's
0: like you're a little clockmaker, then. You're That's another yeah, another kind of
1: art. Yeah, and it's not as precise not, as Not that, as precise. But no, but, but you mean, it's flatter it's, yourself. Please. Yeah, but I mean, in, in England, a gun is the work of 21 separate trades Yeah, no. by 1750. Before we start, 71, 71 separate trades. 21. 21. Yeah. 21. Dozens yeah, yeah. of people practicing dozens of specialties. Uh-huh. And there's a court case in England in 1747 where a man, and according to court record, claimed to be a gun maker, but not in the traditional sense. Because huh. a gun maker is a contractor in England. So he has a contract with workshops to supply him with parts. That's what the term gun maker means in England. Uh-huh. Gun and smith means you can do it all. So that court record said that he's not a gun maker in the traditional sense. Vis-a-vis, he claims he can practice all 21 separate trades. And the London Company of Gunmakers sues him in the interest of consumer protection, because they're saying there's no way could practice 21 separate trades and make a gun that's safe for anybody to buy. And the court let him make a gun and proof the barrel at a London proofing house. And the court record said that although it had less than two shillings worth of silver in it shot exceedingly well the plaintiff suffered a non-suit <laughs> so they threw the case out. Uh-huh. now that guy could emigrate to america and make a living here yes. He's is gunsmith yes that's what it means he can he can do it all Okay. And that's what an American gunsmith has to be able to do, to be able to do
0: repair. So gun shops in England, in other words, in the 18th century are already differentiated. Oh, but it's totally it's so involved like, evolved production. So like Joseph Manton, mm-hmm. Jersey, they've oh, got yeah.
1: all these people working for him, yeah. them, doing different things. Yeah. So. And there are also uh, work is done. And that's why, you know, as far as I'm concerned, English work isn't as interesting yeah. to study because yeah. production work. The same hand engraved. Dozens of guns that day. The same hand that welded two dozen barrels a day. Five man teams welding barrels. All they do is weld tubes, never touch another part of the gun. Lock filers, Um, stick makers, making wooden ramrods for guns. Uh, you know, stocking, carving, engraving, all done by specialists. Breach pin forger is a separate trade <laughs> in England. Separate. Wow, yeah, it's, it's that specialized. I guess you are um, a breach pin would be a very small, no, it's the nope. threaded screw that goes in the back of the barrel, okay, about three quarters of an inch screw, and that's six inch threads, and that's all they do is forge it. Someone else files it, someone else threads it, really, someone else fits it. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah, it's it's. That's why uh, uh, it's like right out of the wealth of nations. Adam Smith will love it. Oh yeah, it, you know, oh yeah. Such and such that's shit. why he didn't pick gun making. Yeah, he picks the straight you because yeah. it take two volumes to describe it. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, yeah. So you <laughs> know, he picks the straight something and uh, you know, that lots of lots of people employed in the process are are producing uh, those parts. The forty eight thousand pins a day. He, yeah, he talks about to. Yeah, division of labor is is fully evolved. The, this phase, though, of the industrial revolution is lots lots of people with highly specialized skill phase. Yes. And the United States skips that. Yes. Straight to the mechanization phase. Right. And that's because the the population centers don't come near. Yeah. What London has in 1770, urban population. Getting on 1 million. Is, well, urban population in the United States in the oh, yeah. 1790s, 202,000. <laughs> yeah, that's the entire urban population. Yeah, right, uh, uh, yeah, right. and that's 6%. Yeah. 94% is rural. So yeah. a very short, serious shortage. That's why you gone gunsmiths. Yeah. And that's why if you're a barrelsmith in England and you emigrate to America, you're unemployable here. Yeah. You're never going to feed yourself, low alone anybody else. has to do something else. You have to, and you yeah. have to diversify quickly. Yeah. And, and some American work shows that. You know, maybe come. You know, when it came from Europe, and they're maybe, you know, backcountry years of Europe. They're from the metalworking aspect and having to apply themselves to the wood. Yeah. You know, and so the work exhibits that. You know, some awkwardness as far as the carving and the one carving last, approach. One last thing before
0: we talk uh, about where how this happened because it didn't just it didn't just happen overnight. Right. Um, the barrel. Uh, I think it's just uh, you're t- telling me about it before I started recording. And I think it's just fascinating. You people don't realize this, I think, that, that gunsmiths made their own barrels. Yeah. And how do you, how do you
1: do that? And take a flat bar and weld it into a tube. And you and turn you weld yeah. into a tube. And yeah, then you turn it into a beautiful two. octagonal. Yeah. And all that's hammer. All. So and the taper and flares hammered in. Uh, the smoother you hammer the barrel, the. Uh, Less filing you have to do, and I don't know how many barrels I've taken out of uh, original stocks. And the bottom three flats weren't filed. <laughs> That's what they call being workmanlike. Uh huh. You know, so if so you don't file the bottom of the barrel, it takes less time to make a barrel. Yes. And, and in an American shops inherently inefficient because as you change tools, change operations, change materials. Right. Become increasingly inefficient. Adam Smith that's says they, exactly what Adam Smith is saying. Yeah, Adam Smith says they saunter from task to task yes. in backcountry areas of Europe, and that's one of those well, there's gonna be a lot of sauntering in an American shop. But yeah. You get paid by the piece. There's an urgency at getting things done quickly, but we've never seen a document that says how many man hours it took an American mm-hmm. shop to make a rifle. You know, yeah. because you know the speed of your guys, you're not paying for labor; you're paying. You're, pay, you're paying higher American labor rates for a rifle, but the materials are the most expensive part. Okay. I'll, I'll so I'll it's some. a combination of more expensive, uh, more materials cost in a rifle because there's more brass, there's more iron in the barrel with a thicker barrel. Yeah. Um
0: What's one of the, the things? Fancier wood. Parenthetically, every time I you know I'll listen to a conversation between a Williamsburg tradesman and a visitor. The hardest thing to get across is how cheap
1: labor is in the 19th oh, yeah. century. Oh, yeah. And that's a, that's a really hard to realize. It's two parts thing. cheaper in England. And yeah. and a gun imported from England, including markup, middlemen, and yeah. shipping yeah. costs, yeah. is a fraction of the price of a rifle made here. Yes. So the barrel, you've got, you, you
0: hammer it out, now you've got yourself about tagging all.
1: Tube mm. seamless tube seamless tube, mm. but it's not you got You gotta, it is hollow, it is hollow. You've you, you, got a hole.
0: You put it, you how do you do that?
1: We, we hammer against the tip end of the tapered steel rod at the section being welded. Mm-hmm. We start welding a barrel in the middle. Mm-hmm and go toward one end. The mandrel only has to be half the length of the barrel because with the cheat, more of it sticks out at the end. And it's tapered. Can mm-hmm. you show me how it's tapered at, the, it's at, yeah. at you the... start in the middle and go toward the breech in the morning, mm-hmm. and you're moving less metal in the, in the thinnest section between the sights in the afternoon when you're welding the barrel. And that accounts for this just miraculous, that's beautiful balance. That's, that's right. Weight oh. over your oh. forehand steady mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, there's lots of surviving rifles from the backwoods that are quite a bit heavier than this, but the long-term durability of that barrel is not sustainable because it's not thick enough. Okay. So So freshening a barrel, uh, William Clark has the gunsmith shields put saws to his small rifle, uh and it shot like it was new. Uh real much to the ingenuity of this man so he saw the grooves deeper because of wear or corrosion well if the barrel's thick enough there's no there's no effect if if, if anything you restored the original accuracy if it's not thick enough, and you saw the grooves, deeper, the barrel starts to whip. Metalurgy being what it is. It's well, it, it, it's not that it's dangerous to shoot because no. the thinnest sections right. in between yeah. the sights, but the barrel starts to move as the bullet passes through. Okay. That's why thickness has much more to do with accuracy right. than how long it is. Wow. Repeat that, please. <laughs> Rig- rigidity. Rigidity has much more to do with accuracy yeah. than like, than length. Like, well, so, so it's a misconception that long rifles are long because for accuracy. No. No, no it's, it's easier life, it's for easier, but time. it's associated with accuracy because American riflemen, American riflemen are accurate. Well, because of how, yeah, life. they're from a the rifle using yeah. culture, yeah. You know, the the, the John Harrer diary talks about the
0: shooting match, yeah. You know, for well, it probably the shooting, I want to get back to that because, of course, there are a lot of myths about that, yeah, and, and whatnot. But, um, so then you, you've got your hollow tube and right. then you... Ream it smooth. Ream it smooth. Right. And then finally
1: you put in the lands. Right, Right. well you leave the lands and cut the grooves. Okay. Leave the lands and cut the grooves. Lands are in between the yeah. grooves. And okay. they never say lands and grooves in the backwoods, they say lands and furrows. Oh yeah, well, of course they would. No, right the they. Furrows yeah. are, uh, formal documents say lands and grooves and in, in, in the backwoods they say lands and furrows. What, what's the, uh, there is no standard caliber. Of course, no, it's up to you. This is, this is a craftsman thing. Is it up to the... It's up to the customer. Up to the customer because everything is beautifully bespoke with a rifle, right? Yeah. I mean, well, right? that's the appeal. That's the appeal. Because it's, it's, it's for your height, it's for how it fits on your arm. Uh, weight. Weight. Yeah, so if you want to... Caliber. caliber. Well, a 12-pound rifle like the John Sheets rifle is very nearly 12 pounds. Uh-huh. Well, that has an 8-pound barrel. Well, that's what that rifle weighs the barrel on that rifle on display at the art museum is the same weight as this whole rifle uh-huh. and, that, and it's consumer preference. And I think you've told me that the heavier of course, the, the better for the coil. Well, it slows the speed of recoil, but then the long-term durability is, is sustainable because you, you can saw the grooves deeper uh, periodically uh-huh. over generations of use. Yeah. and not have the barrel whip. Okay. They knew about whip then, the essay on shooting talks about them taking a shotgun barrel out of a stock, mounting it on heavy wood beam, wrapping a steel wire around huh. the thinnest part of the barrel, loaded with a powder charge and a bullet, when they fired it, the wire unwound. Huh. It was wrapped around the outside of the thinnest part of the barrel, because the barrel moved so much um, as the bullet was passing through, and that's whip. Uh-huh. They wouldn't have said whip in the backwoods either, they say she plays her bullets. <laughs> so, um... Where did it come from? Uh, backwoodsman, no doubt. I mean, this, the evolution this, of the long rifle is 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 most closely associated with Island. Yeah. So of course,
0: backwoods at that time in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. When well, that's
1: the busiest, well, no, the largest inland town on the Great Wagon Road. Yeah. Well, the second biggest inland town is Winchester. Yeah. So it's the first reference to long rifle. Yeah. Is the Valley of Virginia. Augusta County first reference man disappeared in 1745. They, they declared him dead in 1753, and in his inventory he had a long rifle, and that's the first documented reference to a long rifle. Was the the, the German tradition is short barrel rifles, and 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 gunsmiths aren't going to change unless made to by their consumer base. So, so, the, so it's along comes, the Great Wagon Road. It, it's due to consumer demand. I, and, and there's no doubt that that is, is why, because it's, that's why you have a distinctive form. And that's why it's recognizable as American. That's why Hanger could recognize it as American. Yeah, because what, it looks American. So the, uh, it gets longer. Uh, what else? Cur- you, Curly maple wood. What's, and, what was it in Europe? Well, the uh, best quality guns. There's a German account from 1771, Sprengel, that says if you're using white or inferior wood, uh-huh. you've got to stain it dark with ochreoids. Okay. Well, there's more cleanup work if if you're using nitric acid as a stain and heating it they cause the iron that's now in the fibers of the wood to rust. So you're staining the gunstock with aqua fortis. Does that to make it look like walnut? or well, no, it's to make it a, a deep reddish brown, okay. you know, a pleasing color. Please. But it looks better. On curly wow. maple wood, there's different grain density okay. in the stripes. So where there's the dark stripe, oh, yeah, sure. it's softer. Yeah, And where there's a the light stripe, it's harder. Okay. So there's different absorption rate to the stain. So the curl really pops when you stain it. So what other traditions serve coming to it from Europe? Well, the, well, rifle style, rifle is, style is yeah. The octagon barrel is European. The no, rifling think, technology is European. There's no particular reason to make an octagonal barrel. It's or more or rigid. Yeah. You get points of rigidity. Point mm-hmm. to point on a rifle barrel is wider than flat to flat. Mm-hmm. So those are points of rigidity. Okay. Yeah, but it's still thicker resist wood better, mm-hmm. but uh, build a surviving rifle. Uh, Maximilian I. Um, dates the royal coat of arms on that on that rifle, or one he used between 1493 and 1508. Pretty firm date to mm-hmm. the, when it was made. Has an octagon barrel, matchlock mm-hmm. rifle, spiral grooves. Yeah, you know, so it has cheek pieces, rifle characteristic. That's a square toe. It's on your side, it's on the left, so if you're right-handed, it's going to be on the left side and your cheeks are snuggles up to it? And that's it, your face goes on that cheek piece, so you can align the line quickly. Tight, it be tight. Well, Mm -hmm. it's going to be tight into the hollow of your shoulder. The pressure here is part of that consistency, Mm -hmm. but that's a fourth point of support. Mm -hmm. Butt piece in the hollow of your shoulder. Hand on around the wrist in the grip rail of the guard. That's rifle characteristic. Yeah. is having a grip rail on the guard on the box. Um, and then your forearm is a point of support. Hand on the grip rail, and around the wrist is a point of support. Uh, and face on the cheek piece, point of support, and holl over your shoulder. Four points. Yeah. So you quickly align your up behind those two sights, putting your face on the cheekpiece. I um, lay the rifles get, and people
0: might be familiar with them, get really elaborate uh, curled stocks. Yeah. Uh, you've told me there's no ergonomic. It's not. No, it's that's right, consumer. That's just that's they just the 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 beauty look.
1: of it Some because, people just like well look. Yeah, and sugar maple is is traditionally more dense than walnut. Yeah. And it's a lot harder than American black walnut. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, cubic foot of black walnut weighs thirty eight pounds. Sugar maple weighs forty-four per for cubic foot. Yeah. So it's much more dense. Yeah. You know, they used to make bowling pins out of sugar maple that tells you how dent resistant it yeah, is. It makes good it makes a good butcher block. Right. And that's the same wood that's on the back of the end. So the, mm-hmm. the curl wood is, is the back of the fiddle. So we were talking about you talking about marksmanship, George
0: hanger, saying the rifleman saying, hey I could I could hit up to 400 yards. Um, it's amazing to me, uh, I, very early on, the first humble brag about marksmanship I've ever found is actually from James Madison to his friend William mm-hmm. Bradford, saying, I'm not very good, but I could
1: hit a, head, a, a man's head at hundred yards. Yeah. Um, and the limit of human yards. eyesight at hundred yards is a three-inch group with any open-set rifle. Yeah. So, so it's not the rifle. No. It's, it's the limit of human eyesight through open sights. But then in the hands of the rifle using culture in the backwoods. So what you can see with, the, with a 18th century rifle you can hit. Yeah, and what you can see with the modern rifle with the same type sights is the same. Yes. Okay. You know, so what, what a, a scope allows you to do is be able to see farther. Right. Yeah. But the, te- the technology is, is, uh, is adequate to do what a person can see. Right. They hit what a person can in, see. And the efficiency of a rifle was that efficient use of powder and lead to get as many deer skins as possible. Yeah. You know, that cost per shot, you, you ordered the rifle by balls to the pound, not caliber. Balls to the pound is what gauge means. Okay. 20 gauge, 20 balls from a pound of lead. Okay. So it's the weight of a bore size round ball that fits that hole. Mm-hmm. Well, from a pound of lead and half a pound of powder, 20 gauge, you get 20 shots. Yes. Well, this rifle, or the rifle on the counter in the next room is 38 balls to the pound. Okay. Same investment in powder and lead, you almost get double the number of shots. Mm-hmm. And a rifle's about that efficiency. Yeah, so it's, a, it's about
0: efficiently hunting. Yeah, picking yeah.
1: as many deer skins as you can from that investment in powder Because that's lead.
0: a forward investment, like, you farm, right. like you're right. farming. You, you want to minimize your forward investment
1: right. to maximize your profit. Right. Um, and that's and that's what and, and and that's how poor these guys are. And then yeah. I realize reading up on the valley, um,
0: these guys are not necessarily. I mean, there are far fewer long hunters like right. Daniel Boone than there are okay. just guys who go uh, after farming is done. <laughs> they go up to six miles from their house in the yeah. valley, main they, they they camp, camp yeah. and they hunt for a month or yeah.
1: two months or something like that. Yeah. That's that's enough. As far, far as the export market is concerned, deer skins are most valuable when they're red. Yeah. So. That's traditionally when the long hunt begins. It Which is when? For those of us who don't know. What from spring yeah. to the second frost. Uh-huh. So of those uh, of those deer skins being exported to England every year, very few of those come from northern colonies. Yeah. So I would argue Lancaster may be a rifle-making yes. culture, but it's not necessarily a rifle-using culture in that how small Pennsylvania is and very few deer skins for the export market come from Right. It's and it's it's hard to they stay red and longer in the south. It's hard to overstate the importance of the deerskin trade so oh, in, in the south and what's now the American South. Uh, and it's it's partially the of it's Mary. funding the college. One, it's funding the college. women I mean, it's it's Indian trade is yeah. for deer Oh trees. yeah, oh yeah. I mean, all the purchase it, price, the yeah. medium of exchange, and the standard by which you judge values in the pounds of dressed deerskin. Yeah. yeah. So 1767 so treaty, much. the that's Augusta that's tr- yeah, that's, that's the majority. big
0: trade is that these guys are sort of on the peripheral, small operators on the periphery, right. getting a few new skins to make, yeah. I guess, cash money. And, and that's
1: work. the old credit. So that makes them right from using culture, too. Because yeah. those, pe- those people raised in and around Winchester and Marshall with Dan Morgan are, are people... They're not our locals. locals. They're locals. They're, no, they're, they're not non- frontier people. They're not frontier. Well, they're no longer. Well, they the second generation frontier. Second, okay, right, exactly. well, it's almost third. It's almost right. by, by the 1770s. Thirty years since the right. 1750s. Yeah. It's second yeah. generation frontier. They're people that march
0: with Cressap, I think, from you know, from the forks of the Ohio, who are right. probably more Ohio long hunters, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, right. and
1: there's and there's no doubt some of those that show up to fill the Shepherdstown Company that's in John Harrow's diary. Yeah, you mm-hmm. there's hundreds of guys show up. Yeah, yeah. You know, to film an 80 man company and Morgan had to, he, goes, he, he makes, wasn't sure that the extras weren't were gonna get paid. Right. It he takes, he 90 takes 98, months. 96, ninety eight, ninety-six, something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's sixteen over. Yeah. yeah. And they get they end up getting paid. But and yeah, Washington soon says that most of these people know nothing no more of a rifle than my horse. He says that about Pennsylvania companies. He does. He didn't <laughs> say about well, Virginia companies. Well of course not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But he says it's a bunch of Irishmen, and uh, they—they're new Irish. New Irish. Well, they haven't exposed that frontier usage that you have in the different relationship between Indians and country and Indians and and Indians uh, in the valley. It's a a different ball game. Yeah. Yeah. what you ever read Bouquet's journal? Yes. Henry, Henry Bouquet, the commanded of the Royal Americans. Yeah. The, the mercenary, the Swiss yeah. mercenary. Swiss mercenary. mercenary. And, he, Brilliant soldier. and he says that uh, I'm so much disgusted with the backwardness of the frontier people here, talking about them being in western Pennsylvania, yeah. to helping us on, on revenge on the Indians who murder them daily with impunity that I hope to never again risk my reputation or life for their sake. Oh, wow, you got that memorized, but he—it took me a while. To <laughs> but he, he gets right from from Augusta County, uh-huh. who would volunteer without pay. Yes. Augusta County, Virginia, and he's relying very heavily on the Virginians. And it appears they're dressed in hunting shirts. Yeah. So there's accounts of um, their uh, the Indians won't attack the Virginians in hunting shirts, but will attack the Pennsylvanians who are dressed like a grandfather. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, it's just that they got regular provincial clothing mm-hmm. and that birds company from Virginia has are dress like That's like a, savages. Yeah, second second Virginia regiment yeah. Washington puts his men in, and hunting in, shirts in that in that whether it's the hunting right. shirt but yeah. it, it, Indian walking dress is yeah. the, is the term he used. And he says, uh, practicality rather than show. Well, I, it's unbecoming dress for an officer. I admit says that, <laughs> but he says it's very, it's very efficient. Yeah, I mean, basically, oh, yeah. basically, it's a battle dress utility yeah. of the 18th century. Andrew Kay like, said this yeah. should be the when he talks about Andrew Lewis marching uh-huh. with 200 riflemen yes. in the western Pennsylvania, he says this should be the the uniform for this expedition. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Lewis is, okay. is commanding those troops at Point Pleasant. Yes, 1774, Dunmore's War. Yeah. Um, What are,
0: what are when, when people come in the shop, um, rather than asking you what the sort of, what, what's the biggest misconception? What do you wish people actually knew right before they came in? We've gone through most of that.
1: Well, right? we, yeah, uh, they're astonished. At, you know, the first thing they do when they pick up the rifle is they pick it up and say, how oh, heavy yeah, it is. Yeah. Well. It, it, it's the rifle on the counter in the next room is a pound lighter than an M1 Garand used in World War II. Yeah, and which own, is Gasser, and that's not a beautifully balanced gun. No, uh, but, it, but it's the, made for durability. It sure It, sure how it, like it shoots shoot. a bullet a lot faster than do. Yes, it does. A thousand feet per second yeah. faster. So even what's the oh what's feet per second? It? The well, it? depends on the weight and yeah, weight, weight of the bullet, weight, weight in the and, charge. And, and, yeah. Well, and the charge is so pretty yeah. mathematical. It's almost You're always half the bullet weight. Half the bullet weight. Okay. So half the ball, that's why by twice <laughs> as much lead as gunpowder. You don't want to overcharge. Well, right. it's already been tested with yeah. four times that. Yeah, okay. And when we proof test it. proof tested? Yeah. What, four times, times that? Four times a normal charge. It's double the maximum charge with the bullet the same weight. That's English yeah. proof. Huh. Uh, powder charge equal to the bullet weight. And okay. And so 250 gram bullet, 250 grams of powder, 250 gram bullet. In England, they fired it once. So, I can see the mythology of we people, do it twice. people bursting their guns. Is... Well, is, is their error. Yes. That's what causes barrels to fail. Yeah. If it was proof tested, it, as long as the bullet's on top of the powder charge, yeah. there's no problem. Yeah. It's the bullet that's not on top of the powder charge oh, okay. that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. The Lewis and Clark Expedition in the journals, they say that uh, two of the guys that you know, those are all good woodsmen. Yeah. And they burst the muzzles of yeah. two guns. Oh, something's stuck in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the trip and fall and the so muzzle of the gun. There's that something, so, yeah. Yeah, it's mud. Mud or snow yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or didn't push the bullet down. That would have the same effect. Yeah. You yeah. left the bullet at the muzzle. I looked at it. You left the bullet the muzzle. Yeah, with a patch around it. That's that's enough of an obstruction to cause it to fail. And shields, cut them off with hacksaw, an and trade them in it the mm-hmm. rest of the barrel was fine. Mm-hmm. But I've seen an original rifle, and it's proven on, it says Kentucky, but it's got a one-inch crack on the, on the side flat, uh, just above the four-stock, and it's a, a one-inch crack, and you can see where the bulge is. That's where the ball was. The last time it was fired, safely, you know, but that, that wasn't a catastrophic cutter, it just cracked. Yeah, because all of a sudden yeah. that rapidly expanding hot gas had to stop. So people think their rifles, these rifles are heavy because they haven't picked up any. That's, well, that's and long. they and and it's long, it's long, and line. it's big, and it's old timey. It's old timey. timey. and they think it. I good. think there are almost more myths about muskets now. I, I think people don't understand, you know, what the point of a musket is. Yeah, musket's about speed. Yeah, <laughs> it's about, it's like <laughs> it's rapid, about trap speed, fire riding, right? And effective combat distance. And it's um, accurate enough. It's you know, and hundred yards is not. Well, that's a man-sized target, but rarely is the target one man. Yeah, exactly. He he was indeed unlucky if hit by a musket ball at 150 yards, given he was deliberately aimed at. That's a hanger quote. Right, it's a hanger quote. Well, Hanger talks about shooting a musket mounted to a wood beam at a beach at low tide in England to see where the bullet hit in the sand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at 900 yards, it hit 100 yards to the right. <laughs> well, you don't shoot at 900 yards. <laughs> yeah, and that bullet spin at 900 yards. It it's gonna bounce off. That's and there's all the counselor in the French Indian where the bullet's bouncing off. Sure. Uh, that's what people have a Bible in their pocket or mm-hmm. something. Or it is hit like by a cube, uh, French musket ball that gave him a little more than a stiff neck There's yep. a French and Indian War casualty.
0: Kind of <laughs> hit by a French musket ball. No, it's about it's about volume of fire, and it's <laughs> also a realization that I, I just saw the Pentagon studying new uh, training techniques because combat still to this day is at 200 yards or less. Um, and that's, that's almost from the Romans onward is yep. basically the way
1: that, yep. that is. And then, And then you got the secondary weapon in the form of bayonet, and ammunition is interchangeable. Those muskets are made to very strict standards, so parts can be made to fit in the field. they mm-hmm. are yep. like hand filing, Armors traveling with the Army can make and, those repairs. And that, and that must good. have been uh, I, I
0: reading in between the lines of some of Morgan's letters from Washington's instructions regarding rifles. especially spring of 77, 78. So, so. So, well, that's uh, that that's when they're forming a the provisional record and they're trying yeah. to get rifles yeah. from everywhere. It's a real pain to deal with damaged rifles yeah. uh, without having a,
1: a train of gunsmiths. They got, yeah, because that's, because you got to make a part, you can't take uh, you know, you can't take a part out of the die yeah. and make it fit. Yeah. So if it dyes, the die is producing
0: a standardized part. I would love to know. I would pay good money to find out. Well, no, maybe not that good. To see a Morgan actually had a gunsmith with his board. Uh, yeah, yeah I it'd be like, it'd be yeah. really interesting. You'd almost. It's like having a farrier mm-hmm. or a veterinarian along with a cavalry unit. Yeah. It's almost you, sh- you. You really should have one. Yeah.
1: Um, but but they, those troops are. You know, we don't have I, to pay for they're, they're. Yeah, they're. They're. Traveling light, moving <laughs> fast, and you know that's why I, I would be. I think they would just have extra rifles in store and just swap it out. Well, I
0: mean, and, and, but, and the other people would get too sick and they would yeah, be sent back. Yeah. that's what John yeah. Henry on the main expedition. You see the the traces of that I think that's what was yeah. like what yeah. happened.
1: Yeah, um, and that's a, and That's a Apparently, Eighth yeah. Virginia had a. And it was only rifles when it went south in, uh, to Charleston, John Peter Gabriel Nielenberg's regiment from what's modern Woodstock. And a lot of those, uh, he got rid of them, and a lot of those must have been circulated around to uh, soldiers and And, yeah. they, and, they, and, they, and they, what the state of Virginia, between 75 and 76, bought 2000, what was it? Three, a little over 3,000 muskets and 2,098 rifles. <laughs> You know, from any place they could get them. You know, and that, and that, and that you know, so they're sending people out trying to yeah. trying to get as many rifles as they could. Let me give them or, or muskets as they could. As we
0: wrap up, let me give you the standard Williamsburg question. <laughs> you've heard this so many times. What does this cost in today's money?
1: Well. Today's money is obsolete <laughs> labor at 21st century labor. Yeah, prices.
0: so, so there's it's impossible. So let's go, what did
1: it cost in 1775 money? Well, typically, four pounds Virginia, between four yeah. and five pounds, Virginia current money in Virginia. That's pretty good deal. And that that's, and that's you know, a couple of wheels for an ox cart, two saddles,
0: that's uh, basically what you get yeah, paid for taking uh, a wagon to and from Fredericksburg from yeah, Winchester.
1: Yeah, and there's <laughs> there's all sorts of gunsmiths on those lists. Yeah. And I think I showed you some yeah. of those documents. They've got the gunsmiths yeah. that are running these. Yeah. Uh, Just
0: know. point of comparison, uh, Daniel Morgan ran up a 55-pound bill in nine months at a store, so that's kind of crazy. That <laughs>
1: is a good... Well, and rifle and could pay for itself yes. in, a, in a very short amount of time con- in the market hunting contract. How much did the deer skin go for? Well, if it's, Nathaniel Boone <laughs> told, told uh, Lyman Draper that 100 pounds of deerskin sold for $40. So it gives you an average weight of a half-dressed deerskin at two and a half pounds for one Spanish dollar. Mm-hmm. So a dollar and buck have become right. synonymous because of that. Yeah, a dollar or buck. Right? Right. I mean, and that's, that, a, that's a nice silver dollar. Too. Yeah. It's a, a Spanish mill dollar. It's a one ounce silver coin Yeah, that, you know, that coin. So it's, it's be, it's about it's between fifteen and sixteen Spanish dollars equals four pounds Virginia current money. And ebenezer hazard you know goes to I think it's Hunter's ironworks and he said they're making muskets for four pounds ten shillings. And that's about the price of the rifle. So that's the higher American labor rates and they the, the the new awkward transitioning in the military production yeah. that's going yeah. on, huh. so that musket that the state of Virginia is paying for it, costs almost oh. what a rifle did. Military part. military overcosts. <laughs> well, yeah. it, well, it's it. you are starting from the ground up. Yeah, they create a military arms industry and don't have one. Yeah, you know, so four pounds is it, it, it's a you know for poor people in the backwoods that's, uh, that's it's money. an investment. An investment, <laughs> you know, and, and if you, you think. You know, their account by uh, of Daniel Boone, by his own account, shot 15 deer in a day. Mm-hmm. If those deer skins are the right weight in the right season. He has enough money for a rifle. And mm-hmm. you know, then the two yeah. years that he spent in Kentucky, he doesn't sell one. Yeah. Because he's brought by a Shawnee twice. Yeah. They take everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. left him a cheap trading gun the first time, took yeah. his rifle, uh-huh. left him patching for his moccasins because he took all his horses. So you know, you got all that. You got all that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so. Sort of Mark a market. huge investment. Yeah. In, in the long hunt, that doesn't doesn't end up selling one deer skin.
0: Yeah, that's and it's a different set of market hazards. It's a high-risk, <laughs> it's a high-risk venture, for yeah, sure. So how did you get involved? How did you, how did, why, how did you get to this gunsmith shop? Well, I wanted to learn how to
1: make a gun with 18th century technology and this is the only place that does it. This is the place that does it. This is it. Richard, thank you very much. My pleasure.
0: For more historical thinking, go to our Facebook page where you can comment on today's program and suggest ideas for programs to come. Please subscribe to us on Apple iTunes if you like what you've heard, please, please leave a review so that others can find us. Our program's editor is John Ruddatt. I'm your host, Al Zambone. Talk to you next week.